Jets handed the Bengals their first win of the season in an embarrassing loss. We break down the debacle in Cincy with longtime New York Post football columnist Mark Canizero. We also chat with former Jets safety Eric Coleman about gangrene coming back down to earth. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are joined today by our pal Mark Canizero and Eric Coleman. Let's get the show going. Well, another embarrassing loss for the Jets uh, in a season that's had a few of them. Uh, losing to the Bengals 22-6. to Bengals obviously were winless coming into this game, and the Jets give them their first win, just like they gave the Dolphins their first win a month ago. So, you know, the Jets after the game really took issue with anyone who said that they came out flat or took the Bengals lightly. You know, that's the easy answer here. Uh, And, you know, I I thought – I don't think the Jets came out flat because the first drive was pretty good. It just – after that, they just seemed to vanish. And I'm not sure if they were overconfident or what coming into this game, but it was ugly. And the scene in the locker room – you know, the scene in the locker room was despondent. There was some anger. um, you know, they, they they knew they had a chance here to extend their winning streak to four games, and they just came out and they played poorly in every aspect of the game, offense, defense, special teams. Everyone had a hand in it, coaching. Uh, and then the other big story in the locker room was Jamal Adams, who had a walking boot on his left foot. Jamal was very emotional, uh, almost in tears uh, in the locker room, uh, talking about his foot. Said he heard it early on in the game in the first series, but never came out of the game. Uh, I, I couldn't really figure out when he heard it. I didn't see it, but he did have a very quiet game for Jamal, one tackle in the game, and you sort of noticed that he wasn't doing much. So I guess that explains it. And so, you know, I think everyone's going to – around the Jets is going to hold their breath and see what, what that is with, with Jamal and how serious it is and how much time he misses, if any. Um, but, you know, overall, this is this, – this ends that little three-game winning streak and the, the feel-good – portion of the Jets season feels like it's over. So, uh, you know, I don't think it erases those three games. They still have that on their resume. They still have four wins this year, but it kind of ends some of the thought that we had of maybe they turn the corner. Uh, Obviously this team is still a bad team uh, and can lose to anyone as they proved Sunday. I thought they committed some terrible, terrible penalties in this game and that really killed them. They also had horrible uh, field position all game. They couldn't really seem to flip the field on the Bengals and get to the other side, you know, and then when they did have a good play, it got wiped out by the penalty. Overall, big picture wise, you know, this guarantees the Jets are, are going to have a non-winning season. They have eight losses now, so they can't they can't have a winning season. Fourth straight year that they've done that. You know, they had a winning season in 2015 under Todd Bowles at 10-6, and six, but they've been – losers ever since and if you look back at this decade this is the eighth time now in the last nine years that they haven't had a winning season there's a few eight and eights in there but a lot of bad football and that continued Sunday now they have four games left you know although any hope that Jets fans had of I don't I don't even think Jets fans really had playoff hopes you know there was a one percent chance going into this game but any of that hope is completely you know dashed now and I think the bigger hope was that they could beat the Bengals, beat the Dolphins, and go into Baltimore at six and seven, and kind of make that a fun game 
to watch. And, and now that hope is out the window. And they're going to be playing out the string starting next week against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins, who had a big win on Sunday over the Eagles. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see whether, you know, the Jets are underdogs in that game in their own building. It's going to be interesting to see when the line comes out to see how see what that is. But uh, just an overall dismal performance by the Jets. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it with Eric Coleman later, the former Jets safety. I'd like to welcome in now Mark Canizero, my longtime New York Post colleague, uh, football columnist, who was with me in Cincinnati for this 22 to six Jets debacle. Uh, you know, can what, who do you point the finger at the most for this this embarrassing loss by the Jets on Sunday? Well, you know, Kaz, I point the finger at everybody, to be honest with you. Uh, I I am sure that Adam Gase and his coaching staff were hammering at home all week, uh, to, you know, to the Jets, and, you know, to the players, not to think about the record, 0-11 Cincinnati and whatnot. And it's just human nature for teams to look at the record. They, they can tell us all they want, the players you know, that they're not looking at the record and they didn't take the, you know, the Bengals lightly or whatnot, but you just, all you do is watch the game and see how flat they were when they came out. Um, so, you know, that, that falls on the coaches, but it falls on the players too. I mean, they need to police themselves uh, in terms of game plan cause I was, I was really disgusted and we we discussed it in the, in the press, in the press box during the game. I was disgusted with, with the game plan and, and Adam Gates's continual, insistence on on, st- on on just not committing to a running game and it particularly against the Bengals defense that was ranked last in the league in rush defense they were they were allowing 166 yards rushing a game 4.9 yards per carry and when the Jets did run the ball early in the game in the first couple of series you know they were getting five six seven yards a carry and, and that, I'm not even talking with large holes they were just the offensive line was was blowing the you know blowing the Bengals front seven out and yet in the entire game, Gase called for, for consecutive running plays three times the entire game. That's inexcusable to me. I mean, that's just bad coaching. That's just being stubborn because, as you and I have talked about, he's very, very, you know, seduced and, 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 and by, the, by, the, by the passing game. And, you know, sometimes you just got to – all Gase, in my opinion, had to do is manage this game, not make – you know, listen, not, not make mistakes. Obviously, you know, there were some drop passes early in the game. But, you know, manage the game, run the ball, make the Bengals stop the run, which they could not do early in the game. And yet, you know, Gase continued to try to throw the ball instead. And, and you know, some, some, some drives early ended because of that. And in my opinion, I think they would have kept drives going uh, had they run the ball more. So that, that really bothered me a lot. And, uh, and he didn't really own up to it after the game at all. He just said, well, it's just the way the game went. Well, the game went that way because that's the way he called it. Yeah, I, I I agree with you somewhat. I'm a little different on the the number of passes. I think got completely skewed because they had a drive at the end of the half where they had to throw the ball um, because of the clock clock management issues. And then once it got to 19 to six after the uh, safety in the third quarter, I thought they really had to just throw the ball then to try to try to score quickly and get it close. So, but I do agree with you. Early in the game, I thought he got away from it a little bit, and then. You know, to me, though, they just didn't get into a rhythm offensively. And then they had the big play in the second quarter, the screen pass to Bilal Powell, where they actually get into the red zone. And there's a penalty on Calvin Beecham for blocking in the back. There's a penalty on Neville Hewitt that gives the Bengals the ball at the five. There's a penalty on Beecham that results in a safety. There's a penalty on Tom Compton that wipes out a 23-yard run by Le'Veon Bell. Like, to me, the, the penalties in this game 
Um, you know, this just, they, they went back to being that team that they were in September and October where they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Bengals, the Bengals were the bungling team coming into this game at 0 and 11 and they were penalized twice for 15 yards, I believe. And the Jets were penalized 10 yard, 10 times for 106. That's 91 yards in penalties, you know, that the Jets gave Cincinnati and the Jets are supposed to be the better team. So, you know, excuse for that. I, and you're right. Listen, that Beecham penalty to me was a game-turning penalty, even though it was early. It totally changed the game. If they're first and ten at the seventeen, you know that, that's a different story, you know. And then maybe they score a touchdown there and and kind of just stem the tide and get going. And instead, they're they're backed up at their fifty. Um, just brutal. I mean, if I could just get back to the running thing, and I understand, you know, we're slightly disagreeing, but even at nineteen six, you can still stay with the run. You're in the third quarter. There's plenty of time to play that's how you get your offense into a rhythm, in my opinion. And, and you know what? Listen, if they're getting stuffed and they can't, you know, they can't get the running game going, then, you know, then you got to throw, put the ball in the air. But, you know, let the Bengals prove that they can stop the run. That, that's kind of where I was going with that. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, pin the entire game on that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that was a huge factor in the game. And, you know, we, you know Jamal Adams, uh, you know, which we wrote a story on, you know, he said he got hurt on the first series of the game. He had his probably his, his the quietest game certainly this year that he's played. He had one assisted tackle on a stat sheet. Uh, they blitzed him a few times. He never got near Andy Dalton. Uh, it was clear that something you know just wasn't right, and he, you know he acknowledged that after the game, even though he never came out of the game. Uh, but that was a huge factor because you kind of you know in a game like this when the team is less listless, you almost feel like you know I, I kind of kept waiting for 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 Adams to make some sort of inspirational play to kind of get them going and it never happened and as it turned out you know whether you know who knows how how badly he really was hurt but clearly you know he wasn't the same with a left foot injury you know which he we don't really know exactly what it is at this point but that was one guy kind of felt like you know maybe he's gonna you know fire them up with some sort of big play that just wasn't there all game either on defense so it just was. It just was lackluster across the board. Yeah, I mean, you've you've covered a lot of bad Jets losses <laughs> in your time covering this team since the the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me they have this three game winning streak, but it's bookended by a loss to the 0 and 7 Dolphins and a loss to the 0 and 11 Bengals. They're the first team that's ever lost to two 0 and 17 teams that were at least 0 and 7. Uh, you know, just do you know what to make of this team right now and, and, and who they are? I don't. And I thought I was I thought I was getting a, a beat on it a little bit uh, leading into this game, because I really thought now, you know, when they got their off, they seem like their offensive line had stabilized a little bit. You know, I, you know, I'm, you try not to make excuses, you know, and, you know, but listen, I mean, you know, they, they lost Gase for, you know, I mean, sorry, they lost, you know, Sam Darnold for you know, three full games and, and maybe he wasn't even right in the opener with the mono and, uh, you know, the offensive line has been, you know, been just been a disaster all year. Uh, and they just seem to have stabilized a little bit offensive line-wise. Uh, you know, the defense has been playing pretty solid. Obviously, against the run, they're still ranked number one in the league. Um, and so I thought I thought I had a handle on them. And, and frankly, I, you know, as I wrote my column after the game on Sunday, Sunday night, I, I, you know, I'm kind of chastising myself for buying in, to be honest with you, because I'm, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of fans, Jet fans, who did buy in, but there are also a lot of Jet fans who watched this team for a long time, as I have, you know, who you know were had the defeatist attitude going into this game, feeling, well, this this is going to be just like the Jets to lose this game. 
I'm more of an optimist. You know, I, I try and I try to like that kind of defeatist attitude, but Hey, listen, you know, those, those jet fans who were expecting the Jets to lay an egg today were spot on and uh, shame on people like me who bought in and actually thought they might keep this winning streak going and maybe beat the Dolphins the next Sunday. And all of a sudden they're six and seven going into a Thursday night game in Baltimore, which, you know, they have probably would have little chance to win anyway, but at least it's interesting, you know, into mid December, but now we're just, we're back to this four and eight slop and it's garbage time the rest of the way, you know, and, and that's, that's a shame for Jets fans. And, you know, it's kind of a waste of all of our time to be honest with you. <laughs> and now the Dolphins come into MetLife next week, right? Coming off of a game where they, they, beat the Eagles, uh, you know, I, I didn't see any of that game, obviously being at the Jets game, but seeing the final score was shocking. Uh, and old, old buddy Fitz is, is doing it again. Uh, you know, this, they, they could easily, Jets could easily lose that game. There's no game that the Jets can't lose. Fitz is going to be 2-0 and against, his, against the Jets this year. I, I mean, that'll just be another stain on, on, a, on a miserable season. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think to me, you're right. It, you know, it would have been fun if they were six and seven going into Baltimore. I think now what you want to see if you're a Jets fan is can Sam Darnold write himself? You know, it looked like he was rolling in that three game winning streak, especially last week against Oakland. He didn't have a bad game against the Bengals. He just wasn't. He he didn't have a good game either. No, you know what he didn't do, Cos. You know what he didn't do today. He didn't elevate the guys around him. You know, and and a star quarterback will do that. And uh, you know. He, we talked about it in the press box after the game when we were kind of sorting out what kind of what kind of stories we were going to write. And and frankly, I was going to write a side kind of a sidebar story on on Donald. And we were I just he didn't he kind of had a nothing game. He didn't really play poorly, but he didn't play really well. And if he's going to be the kind of franchise guy that they want him to be, not to pin this in any way on all all on Sam. But you know what? If a guy's going to be a star, he's going to elevate the guys around him. And you know what? He he was off on some passes today. He also had some, you know, you know, in Sunday. But he also had some passes dropped. Three in the first drive, I believe there were at least four overall in the game, possibly five. Uh, Robbie Anderson dropped a touchdown pass that he had both hands on in the first quarter, the first drive of the, ser- the first series of the game. Sam underthrew it a little bit, but Robbie should have caught that ball. But yeah, I mean, no. To me, you know, writing about Sam today. No turnovers, but no touchdowns. You know, he he just didn't he didn't he didn't like you said he didn't elevate them. He didn't put them on his on his back and carry the team at all. So I, I, to me, that's the last four games of the season is the story of what what you know what you am as the season ends. Bill Parcells, who I covered for years as a Jet, Giants coach and a Jets coach, always talked about the two things that quarterbacks are measured by are how many times you get teams in the end zone and 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 how many times they win. And, uh, you know, he, you know, Sam failed on both those counts today. Yep. Uh, all right, Cam. Well, I want to let you go and good luck getting, getting back East from Cincinnati. Uh, it's going to be an adventure with the weather, but thanks for joining us uh, tonight. Could be a long day in the airport on Monday cause see you there. After a pitiful jets loss, it's time to hear what the fans are thinking in our weekly check-in from the fans with our riled up producer, Jake Brown. Dear jets. The 0-11 Cincinnati Bengals? 0-11? You know what? Cut the damn music. I'm pissed off. Congrats, Jets. You are the only team in NFL history to lose twice in a season to a team 0-7 or worse. First, you lost to the 0-7 Dolphins, and now the 0-11 Bengals. If there ever is a franchise to do it, it's you. 
Wipe that three-game win streak off the board. It means nothing. You are 4-8. and eight. Your playoff hopes are deader than my chances of getting with Margot Robbie. And the final month of the season will be miserable to watch. Adam Gaze can take a suitcase and walk to New Jersey from Cincinnati. Game plan? There was no game plan. The offense was as lifeless as me at a salad bar. The offensive line couldn't block someone on Twitter. They couldn't block a leprechaun if they were Yao Ming. They gave Sam Darnold less time than my rap career. Run game? There is no run game with the Gase offense. He's got no O-line. He's got no faith in Le'Veon Bell. And he didn't have faith in the Pro Bowl running back the moment the team signed him. Year after year, the Jets franchise makes our lives miserable. They win a couple of games here and there. They show some semblance of life. And then they hit us with a hard case of reality. They remind us that it's been 50 years since this team won a damn Super Bowl. Hell, it's been 50 years since they made the freaking Super Bowl. It's a complete embarrassment how this team continues to underachieve. We all put on our clown noses and act like we're the next act at the Ringley Barnum Bailey Circus and just keep rooting for this team and chanting, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. This team drove Fireman Ed to nearly quit. Tell the Jetman to change the damn chant to M-E-S-S, mess, mess, mess. Because that's exactly what this team does every year. They reel us in like we're a little fishy in the Long Island Sound. They leave me voicemails in May to get great deals for tickets for the season. Well, guess what? The only deal you can offer me is to pay me to go see this team live. Because the constant misery is unacceptable. And I am sick of it. Bartender, get me a drink from the fans. Like to welcome in now a man who spent nine seasons in the NFL, four of them with the Jets, Eric Coleman. You can see him on Jets late night Sunday nights on CBS after the 11 p.m. news. Uh, Eric, you know what do you make of this debacle in Cincinnati on Sunday? Uh, it, it was definitely, it was definitely disappointing. You know, to, to sit there and watch, uh, it seemed like there was a lack of effort on defense. Um, Cincinnati just out physical the Jets. Uh, in, in every aspect of the game, and it was it was very disappointing. You know, um, they just continue to give up uh, chunk plays. You know, whether it be 15 yard outs. You know, third downs were no problem. It wasn't much pass rush. Um, offensively, they never really were able to get into a rhythm, and and it was disappointing to see, especially coming after the three game win streak. Their you know confidence was high. Uh, to see the Jets come out as flat as they did, it was it was, it was hard to watch. With, with you touch on the pass rush, they don't have anyone that can win a one-on-one matchup up front right now. And you know when they when they were successful this year, rushing the pass rush was really blitzing Jamal Adams. And you know I don't think they can do that against a guy like Andy Dalton uh, with, with the guys are playing at cornerback right now. But how much of it do you think is guys are getting quarterbacks are able to get the ball out quickly because the cornerbacks right now are are, are leaving receivers open and versus you know. There's just not a guy winning up front for them. What do you attribute the, the pass rush issues to that the Jets are having? Well, you know, it's, it's a definite combination of both. You know, when I saw a couple of times where, you know, Andy Dalton was taking a five-step drop, and on that fifth step, he was cocking back and wasn't hesitating to, to let it go, and there was a lot of separation. I mean, there were separations when tight ends were being covered by cornerbacks on, on out routes, you know. Um, but at the same time, when I watch the pass rush, when I see the games up front, you know, there there was a lot of guys just sitting there. I, I call it playing patty cake. You know, they they were just standing their ground, not getting penetration, not beating their man. And and you have to beat your your one on one matchup if, if you're going to win at, at any level. I don't care what team, what scheme that you play in. 
if you have a one-on-one, you at, at some point you have to start winning those matchups, and the Jets weren't doing it today. Yeah, they, they had two quarterback hits in the game, and one was Steve McClendon on the, the one sack they got in the third quarter, and the other one was Brian Poole blitzing off the edge. So two quarterback hits and only one by a defensive lineman. Uh, hard to win, hard to win like that. Hard to play good defense like that. What what do you think offensively about the Jets today? They just never really could find a rhythm. Some people I know took issue with Adam Gase not running the ball more. What did you think when you were watching the offense today? Well, you know, I definitely wanted to see the Jets run the ball. Uh, you know, Cincinnati was one of the, the worst defenses against the run in the NFL, and you know you have Le'Veon Bell, uh, Bilal Powell who's running the ball well, and Ty Montgomery. And, you know, it seemed like they abandoned the run pretty quick. But, you know, at the same time, it's hard to run the ball when you're down because you you're trying to play catch up. And it just nothing was really clicking, though. You know, I, I would have liked to see them run the ball more. I would have liked to see them, um, you know, continue to open things up as they did in, in weeks prior. You know, Cincinnati's secondary, it was very suspect, but they, the Jets made them look great today. There, there were there were some drop passes. You know, there were some missed opportunities. You know, the the penalties. Every, it seemed like every time they had a big play, it would be called back by a penalty. So, uh, you know, again, they shot themselves in the foot today. And it was it was you know it's like two steps two steps forward one uh, one step forward two steps back for the Jets. And uh, and it was it was hard to watch. You know, it just it just they you never felt like the Jets threatened the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think they even got into the red zone today. So that, that's definitely a problem. They did once, and there was a penalty on Kelvin Beecham for the block in the back that brought the you know they when Powell had the long screen pass. So yeah, they technically never got to the red zone today. Um, with the penalties, Erica, this is always something that fascinates me: is when when a team has ten penalties in a game. And the Jets have had this issue uh, recently, not so much recently, but earlier in the season, they were a penalty heavy team. Is that coaching? Is that players? What do you think? when a team commits a lot of penalties? Well, you know, it's uh, they, they say you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. So, uh, you know, there, there have been times like, – I don't think I've ever been on a, a really heavily penalized team. Uh, you know, if there were some penalties, the coaches would, would make sure to, to nip it in the butt, whether it be in practice, you know, disciplining guys, making them run, calling guys out, uh, whatever it takes to make you think about committing a penalty. And, you know, a lot of times – the coaches wouldn't go crazy if it was a penalty in between the whistles, you know, because that's effort. Uh, you know, that's a technique. That's a flawed technique. You know, you're not playing. You're not playing under your feet. You know, whether you're holding uh, as an offensive lineman or whether you're grabbing someone as a defensive back, you're not playing within yourself, and that's a technique thing. Um, but you know, the the, the false starts, uh, the the mental mistakes are, are what really kill you as well. So, uh, n- no penalty is good. Uh, but and it's something that definitely needs to be addressed by the team. Yeah, the offensive line, seven penalties alone on the offensive line on Sunday. Uh, I think Alex Lewis was the only guy who didn't have a penalty. Kelvin Beach had three of them, including two big ones, the one we mentioned, and one for a safety. So the penalties are something they have to get cleaned up. You know, I think, Eric, I don't think anyone was delusional thinking this team was going to go to the playoffs, uh, you know, even after the three-game winning streak. But I think fans were hopeful that, you know, they could get to six and seven going into that Baltimore game at least keep the season going a little bit. Now they're four and eight going into the final month of the season. You were a part of two, four and 12 teams when you were with the jets. How difficult uh, is this final month of the season when, you know, you're, you're four and eight and kind of playing out the string. Oh man. It's, it's one of the most depressing things that you, you, you can go through as a player. 
you know, you're you're working as hard as you can. You're, you're studying film. Uh, you're you're doing all the things that you know that, that need to be done to try to get wins, and they just don't, don't happen. Uh, you know, you get depressed coming to practice. You know, you you get there, it's dark. Uh, you stay there all night. You know, you leave and it's dark. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough time. You know, especially at the end of the year because now that you know for sure that you're not going to the playoffs, that's when they start making cuts to veterans. That's when they start uh, bringing in new guys for for you know tryouts, and you get new teammates in your room. And it's just not a good feel around the locker room, around the organization uh, when you're when you're losing like this. And everyone's pressing. Everyone's trying to to do whatever they can to to get that win, to get that monkey off their back. And um, it, it's not a fun thing to go through. Do you think do you guys quit in a situation like this? Do guys kind of pack it in? Do guys come up with some injuries that they decide they they don't want to play the rest of the season? Have you seen that in your experience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see guys. Uh, you you'll definitely see more guys on IR, more guys kind of checking it in um, as, as you get down the stretch, but. Uh, listen, everyone put everyone at this point in the season is hurt. Sometimes it's the team that puts you on IR. You know, sometimes they want to activate some more players and give them opportunities, and and, and that's the reason why you go on injury reserve. But um, as far as quitting uh, when you're out there playing, I don't. I never really saw that. You know, if you're if you're going to be out there, you're going to be practicing. You're playing for the guys next to you, so you're going to give your your full effort. You're going to get somebody hurt or get yourself hurt. Uh, so you know, jobs are still on the line. You know, whether it be coaches or players. So even once that film is on, everybody's giving their best effort. But, you know, it is definitely a, a depressing feeling. It's definitely a defeated kind of feeling when you when you just know that you're not a good team and, and things aren't going right. What um what will you be looking for when you watch these last four Jets games, you know, heading into the offseason? Obviously, we, like we talked about, the playoffs aren't realistic. But what, what do you want to see from the Jets in this last month of the season? Well, you know, obviously, you know, when things aren't going well and they'll do the last month of the season, you, you want to see effort. You want to see guys who are fighting, whether it's good or bad, which I don't think that's going to be a problem with this team. You know, I think there's enough leaders in the locker room. Uh, the coaching staff has enough leaders where these, they're going to put guys out in the field that are going to give their best effort. But what I would like to see is, you know, at some point in time, listen, uh, the offense this year, you, you have a, a star running back. I would like to feature him. You know, give him 25 carries, give him 30 carries, let him carry the load and see what it's like to get Le'Veon Bell 100 yards. You know, see how simple it makes your offense. I like to see them establish that run game at some point in time so they know going into the offseason that, listen, this is our identity. We need to run the football. We need to play action off that, get Sam out of the pocket, make things easier for him so all the pressure's not on him and, uh, and we can even things out offensively. And, and on the defensive side of things, you know, I would like to see – I'm always a secondary guy. I, I love watching the guys in the back end. And obviously, Jamal's having an amazing year. Marcus May, I think, is, is very underrated and having a great year. I would like to see someone step up at the cornerback position and start to challenge receivers. You know, there, there's a lot of times where guys are playing not to get beat as opposed to challenging receivers and, and, and knocking balls down and, and, and being in tight coverage. You know, it, at the end of the year is when – it's more difficult to throw the ball deep. It's more difficult to, to hold on to the ball. How about you force some turnovers? You know, for, you know, have some fun out there and, and show that spirit, show that, that promise that all these Jet fans are looking for. You know, going into the season, I don't think I, – I mean, I know I didn't expect the Jets to make the playoffs. I had hopes. You know, I, but I thought seven wins would be a great year for them. You know, and if they had a great – you know, if they stole one, maybe they get eight. But, you know, to, to be in this position right now is definitely disappointing. And, and you want to see some progress at the end of the year. Yeah, I think Greg Williams has done a good job hiding those cornerbacks 
recently, and it, it helped when he was playing Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones. But I thought, you know, Andy Dalton and when they played Fitzpatrick a month ago, these veteran quarterbacks can figure it out when when those guys are afraid to contest the contest balls and they were picking on them. It was a period today where Andy Dalton was just going after Arthur Mollette all day. So uh, I think you're right. It's going to be interesting to see if those cornerbacks can step up their game a little bit. And they got Fitz again next week who, who will detect the weakness if it's there. Um, curious, Eric, you, you follow – you're with Herm Edwards first with the Jets, then the Eric Mangini. The Jets have kind of gone through a transition here from Todd Bowles to – Adam Gase, what is that transition like as a player when, when the head coach is changing? Tell us specifically, you know, those were two very different guys. What it was like going from Herm to Eric? Oh, that was tough. You know, you, you talk about, you know, being drafted to uh, a guy like Herm Edwards, who's, you know, the ultimate players coach. Um, you know, he, he was a, a leader. Listen, he's a leader of men. He really was concerned about you developing as a man, you know, both on and off the field. Uh, and, and as well as a player and someone who you really felt like cared about you. And then, you know, going over to Mangini, uh, when he first got there, he was trying to establish his way, you know, so he was very cold. He was, um, you know, unapproachable. He was great with the X's and O's, but his communication skills were, were, uh, were terrible, you know, to, to be frank. And, and guys really struggled with that transition. But, you know, later on you get, you get to adapt and you get to know um, Eric a little more and understand that he does care. He does want guys to win, and um, and then you start losing, you know, and things change because now he has to get guys out of there. So it was a tough transition. You know, it's always tough when a new coach comes in because they want to get their guys in. They want to uh, create uh, their atmosphere, their winning kind of atmosphere um, that, that they're used to, that they're accustomed to. So some of those guys who are staples on your team who may be leaders, sometimes they fall out of favor with that coach, and it's hard to see them go through – um, times where you feel like they're they're done wrong. You know, there might be a, a player who, you know, is a star, and now he's not playing on the team. And so now it creates animosity, it creates division, and uh, and it's important for guys to stay together through those those transitions. Do you have a, a go-to Herm story that you like to tell at, at parties uh, when people ask you about Herm Edwards? <laughs> I have a bunch of Herm stories. Uh, he, Herm Edwards is literally my favorite coach, uh, you know, of all time. You know, he, he was a guy that, uh, I, I remember when Jonathan Vilma and I, you know, we were both rookies playing a lot, you know, starting on, on the defense, and we would stay out there and watch film together. And I remember Herm coming into our meeting room and kind of giving us the education on, like, the history of the game as, as African-American men uh, playing this game and, and understanding, you know, our roles and where we were and how far that we've come. And uh, it, it, it was really good because, you know, Herm was a guy that, that really wanted to be a teacher. He wanted to, to teach us and, and have us respect the game because he's all about that shield and all about the integ- integrity of the game. Uh, so, so that was one thing that, that always resonated with me. Uh, another thing that resonated me, with me was uh, we got to training camp and all of a sudden uh, Coach Herm was like, just started yelling at us in this meeting. We have a team meeting. All the guys are laughing, you know, because they're happy to see each other. And he's like, listen, you guys, Leave the girlfriends alone. She's with Jody right now. And he starts going off about how you had all this time with your girlfriend. Now your girlfriend is with Jody. I don't want to see guys on their phone between meetings calling their girlfriends. This is football time. This is and this is Jody's time with your girlfriend. And you would look around and you would see some of the young guys start to panic. 
and call their girlfriends because they literally thought that their girlfriend was with some other guy while they're in training camp. But it was a it was a, <laughs> a it was a fun joke that he would play on the young guys. Yeah, her, he's doing well at Arizona State now, and I think you know the college game is is perfect for him with what you're saying. You know the way he's a teacher and and cares about guys so much. Uh, it's it's fun to watch him now what he's doing at the college level. It really is, and you know I'm a I'm a Pac-12 guy, so you know I get to watch him quite a bit and. You know, I stay in touch with guys like Kevin Mawai, who's on his coaching staff, Antonio Pierce. Uh, he, he's got a great coaching staff over there, and they're having, they're having a good time playing ball. All right, Eric. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us. You can follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric Coleman. You can catch him on Jets Late Night Sunday nights on CBS after the 11 o'clock news. Uh, one last thing, Eric. You do a lot of work in the community, away from the game. Uh, tell us some of the stuff that you're doing community-wise right now. Um, well, right now we just got done with the Jets, um, feeding feeding a lot of different families, some youth in, in Harlem, in the Harlem community, and food for, for New York, uh, Food Bank. Uh, we did that. And then I'm also a part of uh, the Children's Brain Tumor Foundation, trying to help kids who've, who've gone through traumatic brain injuries, uh, who, who have brain tumors, who have different cancers, trying to help them live a better life and find great treatment. Uh, I'm also... Very, very uh, much involved in the drug addiction space. You know, I, I had a tough time growing through that when I was a kid with my parents. So I try to spread the word, spread the word, and let kids know that you know there, there's a better life than, than what you see ahead of you. And, and for people who are struggling with drug addiction, try to find solutions for treatment for them. So uh, those are some of the things I like to do in the community. Try to use my platform to, to raise raise awareness for other causes. Great stuff, Eric. Well, really appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, tonight to talk Jets, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much for having me. Have a great night. That's a wrap for Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content out there. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back Thursday getting you ready for the Jets matchup with the Dolphins. See you there.